Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. Uh, it's so good to be here. Um, I, I wish I could have the keys the whole time, but it's fine. Um, now we're good. Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. I was just thinking about t- tonight um, and thinking about... I, don't, I wouldn't need to preach tonight if you all just showed up and listened to Pastor Chris preach at 9 or 11 the last two weeks. I mean, if you were here two weeks ago, he preached on intercession and cosmocrats, talking about uh, how there are spiritual deities and principalities that uh, afflict culture in, in our world. And I think so many times we just think it's our personality or you just weren't feeling good or you ate that wrong thing, you're gluten intolerant and you had too much gluten, you didn't know it was there. And that's what you think your problem is. But sometimes, hear me now, sometimes I, I think it's because uh, you're doing what you're supposed to do and the enemy hates it. You know, like even tonight, right? Barbecues, NASCAR, uh, I don't know, slip and slides, walks in the park, poetry, none of that stuff like intimidates the enemy. But, but what does intimidate the enemy is college students gathering on a Sunday night. Are you kidding me? There's so many other things to do. And you gather on a Sunday night to, to worship Jesus. And maybe if you're new for the first time, I just I commend you as well. Um, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, you, along with most, hopefully you're here to open your heart to see what, what God has to say to you. And he's, he's written this wonderful book called The Bible and every time we open it up and talk through it, it, it has a way of doing something um, beyond what we can fully grasp at the moment. And so um, it's, it's nights like this when, when young people gather to, to worship Jesus that it really does. It, it, uh, it puts a, a, a wet blanket. More than that, it, it, it damages the, the forces of darkness and in spiritual places all over. That's why, you know, Ephesians chapter six says, you know, don't, don't be scared by this and don't be caught off guard. We, we, we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but it says principalities and powers. And from the very beginning, they've sought to wreak havoc and destruction on people. Read Genesis chapter one. Now, in Genesis chapter one, and tonight, just so you know, it's, it's gonna be a potluck. I don't like potlucks per se, but I just don't know what I'm going to throw on the table for, for us to at least consider tonight. So it's going to be a potluck of sorts for the next few moments. But just consider Genesis chapter 1. When we read Genesis chapter 1, we read that God, he created the, the, the stars and the planets and the water and sea creatures. And uh, he created plants that yield after their own kind and animals and all this. And in the midst of that, he puts Adam and Eve right in the midst of it. But he also uses terminology, and you can get this from your lead pastor, Pastor Chris. He used terminology like subdue, right? Has anyone ever tried to subdue a garden? You don't subdue a garden. You plant a garden. Subdue is like a warfare term. It's a military term. So you're not out there like just with the, the rake and the shovel and the pickaxe and the hoe. It's just, like, just going to town on the soil, right? That's not how you plant, but it says subdue. So we know that they just weren't subduing just vegetation. There's something to subdue if they were placed in that, in that area to subdue, which means there was demonic activity, right? And so what, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to 
build these blessable covenant relationships with King Jesus or Yahweh, right? And what are they supposed to do? Then they're supposed to grow families and communities of the same. So the best way that we can fight the enemy is the way in which God designed us from the very beginning, to be people that stay in covenant relationship with King Jesus and who worship our way through moments of worry and panic and anxiety and stress and the I don't knows. How many of you have ever had an I don't know in their life? Like, I just, whew, I just don't, I don't know how to get through this. Uh, a good mentor friend of, of mine and Pastor Chris the other day told us that uh, he was just diagnosed with cancer in three different places of his body. So cancer in the lungs, cancer in the bladder, cancer in the gallbladder. And we asked him, okay, how are you doing? How are you getting through this? And his response was, I look, he, he, tur- he took us to ex- or Exodus, yeah. He goes, I, I look for burning bush moments in my life, like Moses. Because when you read in Exodus, it says that Moses look, he looked to see this burning bush. He goes, so I, I continue to look for moments where the presence of God is at. And I've learned not to live. So this is for somebody. I don't know who, but this is for somebody. You're going through a moment, you, you don't know how to figure it out and you don't know up from down right now. It's like the world's just spinning out of control. This is, this is key for you. Look for the presence of God. And when you look for the presence of God, spend time focusing on Jesus right in the now and don't give any energy to the what ifs because Jesus never deals with what ifs. Satan is involved in the what ifs. Why? Because then it, it, it fosters more fear. And it fosters worry and it fosters like, yeah, yeah, you can't, what, well, okay, okay, you do that, that, but, but what if? That, that's, that's demonic language and talk. That's, that's not Jesus. Jesus says that his word is, is yes and amen. It's, it's, it's firm. It's unmoving. It's unshakable. He said, so don't live in the what ifs. Look for those moments where the presence of God is at. And he goes, and then look for Jesus because he's really easy to miss. I've been thinking about that ever since he goes, look for Jesus because he's really easy to miss. And how do we miss Jesus? Well, we allow the word or the report to have more of a weight and more occupy more space in our heart and our mind. And in that, we give our attention, even as Garrison just read Hebrews 12, we forget to set our eyes where Jesus is at. And we set it on other things, the what ifs and this circumstance and that. And in the process, man, we miss out on what Jesus is wanting to do, even through, even through some of the, the weighty stuff of life. So if you're going through it, know that just keep doing what you're doing in moments like this, nights like this. Worship God. Continue just to be a person that um, you invest and you read and you study Scripture and just let, come on, the goodness of God get a hold of your life and let that be the story that you listen to over and over and over and over again. Do you know what happens if you eat donuts too much? You do. You know what happens, right? Like if you just live on donuts just over and over and over again, that's that you just consume, you feast on donuts. Well, you'll start, you'll start smelling, looking, and, and you'll, you'll be glazed like that. You'll be glazed like a, like a, like a donut. Now, are donuts good? Yes, I love, I love donuts. They, they taste so good. But I want to challenge you tonight. There's a lot of things that are good that if consumed too much, it's not well for you. And so my challenge is 
Be careful what you feed on over and over and over and over again. So what do you need to do if you feed too much on donuts? You need to, number one, stop feeding on donuts. But then, you know, life's a vacuum. If you feed on nothing, you'll start to get hungry and you'll start to starve. And then anything looks desirable. So you just can't not eat. You just got to eat the right thing. So going back to a night like this, this is, this is a moment of feeding in the right place, the right atmosphere, and the, the, the right substance. You begin to eat the right stuff. Be people of, come on, be, be young people who know Scripture. And if you don't know Scripture, at least have a desire to know Scripture. And then spend time reading your Bibles. Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit. I've been in this, and for some of the interns have been through, uh, taught a few of the Capital College courses. Um, I'm going to be in Romans. Obviously, on Monday nights, I've been doing like a two-and-a-half-hour class teaching. I get a break next Monday or this Monday. Yes. Going eight weeks strong. Uh, so we won't be two and a half hours tonight. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and condense it. I'm going to talk a little about out of Romans 12. Uh, and my hope is that it's something that you can feed on, uh, throughout the course of this next week and just see if it will do something different in your life. Amen. Let me pray though. Father, thank you for your presence tonight. So grateful that uh, we have the opportunity to gather uh, and to, to worship you freely. Uh, we didn't hide our cars today. We didn't find underground trails or tunnels to get to this location. We were able to drive here freely. And for that, we are so grateful. But also with that, we, we take um, just great responsibility in the freedoms that we do have. And I ask tonight that you would just continue just to open our hearts to your word today. If, if there's been struggling, I know there's struggle in our life. And if there's things that are out of our control, uh, just show us that continue. You're the God who, who leads us. You guide us. You take care of things. And your grace, it is. It's sufficient for us. Uh, and your mercies, they say, the word says it's new every morning. And great is your faithfulness towards us today. So we just give this next few moments to you, open our hearts, our lives to get a bigger picture of what you're doing uh, in, in our world. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read, there's, there's a verse I quote quite a bit is, is a young guy in Romans chapter 12. I'd never do the whole chapter because I didn't know the whole chapter. I always got stuck at, uh, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, that was good. I'd probably start with that in the morning, and then, like, all hell would break loose, like, two hours later. And they're like, oh, no, okay, it, yeah, Shane, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewed mind. Renewed mind, renewed mind. Has anyone ever had that self-talk? You've told yourself that? Like, you just get the wrong thought, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's, it's fear, whether it's perverse, you name it. You just get the wrong thought. You're like, no, 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 mind, come on. That's not what you're supposed to do. Like, you need to think right today, mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be, trans, but be, be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I tell myself that, and then I'd be like, I don't even know what that means. Has anyone been there? Like you quote, I'd be like, I just don't, there's got to be more to that than just telling my mind to think differently. And I, I realize that's, that's how oftentimes we take scripture. It's like we'll take a portion of it, but we don't understand that there's a fuller context and bigger story to just that first part of Romans chapter 12. We, do this, we don't do the same thing with songs, right? I was just thinking about even as we were worshiping tonight, uh, we just don't take like a bridge and form the whole idea of the song by that bridge. 
what? There's, there's chorus and there's several verses. And then there's that fun little bridge. It's typically always in a, or in a minor that really just gets our hearts moving closer to Jesus. It's so funny how all the minors are what like just move us artistic people just to lean in like, oh, Jesus must be here. There's minor <laughs> C's, you know, all the majors like, oh, whatever. That's for older people. But oh, minors move us. It's because we're so feeling led. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. You're just not, you're not musical. That's fine. You might enjoy it, but we're just so moved by, by, by that. And, uh, but you find that the whole song, there's, there's a story or there's, there's rhythm, not just rhythm, but there's, uh, there's, a, there's a craft to it, chorus, verse, bridge, you name it. So, well, same thing in, in scripture. And so I challenge us not just to get stuck and just quote one portion of scripture, especially when there's something else to be told with it. And when you look at Romans, and I'm a teacher, so I can't, I'm, I'm gonna teach, I can't, I can't help it. When you look at the book of Romans, it's 16 chapters. And as you look at it this week, you're gonna find that the first 11 chapters uh, have you do nothing in it. There's absolutely nothing you need to do except for believe and put your faith in Jesus. Like that's the one thing that all 11 chapters have in common. They point to the fact that what you need to do, young person, is believe in Jesus. And Paul is brilliant at this because he's dealing with uh, a group of people, several groups of people that are fighting with each other. They're having, like, it's almost like, and that's, that's a lot of what parents do. Parents spend most of their energy trying to work out, like, reconciliation tactics and strategies within the home to keep, I mean, for most part, just to keep peace. And it, it, begins, it begins at a young age and it continues all the way into adulthood. Uh, parents work to try and keep siblings loving each other, speaking well of each other, speaking life to each other. Paul does the same thing in his public ministry. He's always trying to work for the unity of the gospel. And so when you look at Romans, you see that as he's writing to these churches, these house churches in Rome, what's he doing? He's... He's letting them know that regardless what group you come from, what tribe you come from, everyone's in need of the same thing. And the same thing is, and he paints this picture that we are in a really broken and a dark world. And without Jesus, we were without hope and we're lost. And sin itself has this way of just demoralizing and breaking. And it's like, it's like water, it, you get, you get a hole in your, your roof. It's, it's amazing how water can find its way in. You don't, and I'm, I'm learning this, you know, I'm remodeling a house right now. So you don't install the windows properly. You get a nice rainstorm. It might not be that night, but it'll eventually water has a way of finding its way in. And I think what Paul does is Paul does a good job of trying to shore up those gaps that we aren't even aware of to where we can allow the enemy access into our life. Has anyone ever had like issues with siblings? Yeah. So you know what a good sibling conversation is all about? Or disagreement? Yeah, hopefully you don't get physical with it, but you've had your, you've had your disagreements and, and I know you have and, you know... Um, and, and so you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like parents telling you to love each other. Like, I don't feel like loving them. Like, you know, but tell, telling you to get along, you know, uh, making wild threats. You know, do you want to walk? Uh, they're not going to leave you on the highway. So you just keep fighting and just testing them. 
But this is Paul, and Paul is like, listen, and he's talking about these two groups of people, and I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first group is the group of people that would be like Messianic Jews who believe in Jesus, but they also believe in the, tradition, the traditions of the law. That you have to fulfill these ceremonial laws and these traditions if you want to be a covenant member of the household of God. Paul would disagree with that. But then you have also another group, and this is called the strong, so as a weak group, and the strong group would be considered those who are Gentile Christians who believe in a law-free gospel. And they would harass the Messianic Jews. The Messianic Jews would look down on these Gentile converts as though they have no history to the covenant of Yahweh. And so they would fight back and forth on who's more right uh, and who's going to be in better standing with, with God. And Paul comes in and says, you're both wrong. Um, it's not about how much you do, and it's not about doing anything at all. He's saying that everyone is on the equal playing field, that without Jesus, we're all lost. That means that no matter what camp you come from, no matter what tribe, no matter background, ethnicity, you name it, culture, everyone is in need of this beautiful work of Jesus. So Paul then writes this letter in Romans, and he's writing to to protect the, 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 uh, the, the unity of the gospel, what it means, both in its definition, but also amongst people. That the goal that Paul is saying is like, listen, we all have to learn to get along. And we come together not, not by everyone being the same and alike, but we come together around the common denominator of King Jesus. And that's why even when you read more of his writings, he talks about the uniqueness and the beauty of how the local church is, is made. I mean, look around. There's so many different types and talents and people that are even in the audience today. I said, I made reference to creatives. Some of you rolled your eyes in your heart. But then if I made reference to athletes, you creatives might roll your eyes in your heart to them, right? So it's just like, stop it. Stop rolling your eyes. Rolling your eyes is, is so elementary. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, learn to appreciate and value each other as all these different types pursue King Jesus. And so as we get to Romans chapter 12, and why I've been on Romans chapter 12 is because of what I mentioned. It's more than just saying, um, it's more than just self-talk of me telling myself to think better and to think more like a Christian. It's, it's way beyond that. Um, when you read in Romans chapter 12, and I think we have the first few verses, so you can see on the screen, there he goes. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, relax, sisters. <laughs> that just, this means, it means, this is a picture of, this is a family unit right here. So what he's saying is, I, I appeal to you, therefore, family members, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by grace given to me, this is Paul saying, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we may have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Bless the Lord. So we, though many, are one in body, one in Christ, and individually members one of another. We'll stop there. We'll read on 
in a minute. But when you look at Romans chapter 12, and the reason why I want to speak from this just for a moment tonight is because I want to challenge us uh, when it comes to what our life with Jesus, what it should reflect. Like there's, there's evidence, uh, there's details of Christianity that I think if we're just living one way and a portion of it, we don't really demonstrate what that is in a world that is really curious and in need. And not only that, I think as we apply what I'm going to talk about today, we can use it as a way of fighting the good fight of faith and overwhelming the enemy, not with swords or spears or weapons, anything like that, but we we do it with faithful allegiance to King Jesus. And we do it in a way that isn't just done in a Sunday setting and just done on a weekend, but it's something that we we think about when we wake up in the morning and we consider throughout the course of the day. And in the evening, we, we think about it. And when we have victories, we, we think about what this means in chapter 12. And when we have defeats and when enemies, when they pursue us and when people say awful things towards us or maybe behind our backs and they do uh, vicious things, we can have this mindset of what it means to have the marks of Christianity uh, as Paul demonstrates in Romans chapter 12. He, so he says this, this is, in, in Romans 12, it's, it's, it's priestly in the fact that it's Paul saying, this is, this is what a priest would do. They would present themselves fully to God in response to the self-giving love that Yahweh has demonstrated throughout scripture, throughout history. Uh, and we're called to do the same. We respond to the mercies and the grace of, of God. Note this, potluck, right? So Romans 8. Write down Romans 8 for a later read because Romans 8 is all about what Pastor Chris talked about today. It's about the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the individual. Meaning this, if you deal with habitual sin, if, and I'll take donuts and have a donut tomorrow, but let's just take the donuts. Of feeding on donuts would be a picture probably of feasting on these sin habits. And if that's been your pattern, the best way to defeat that is you replace what you're feeding on. The best way to replace and the best source of replacements is the Holy Spirit. So if if you would spend time, if we would spend time doing more feeding and feasting on the Holy Spirit, it says he dwells in our inward body. What's it do? It crowds out, it crowds out those habitual patterns of sin that try and what? Defile us and tries to deform who we were designed and created to be. It tries to blind us to even compassion, love, generosity, care, concern, forgiveness for close friends, but also our enemies. That's what sin loves to do. But when you learn to feed on the Holy Spirit, you, you find that he has a way of, he does a few things. He indwells in our life. He gives us life. He leads us in self-control. He gives witness to us uh, that we are part of the family of God. He intercedes for us when we don't know how to even intercede for ourselves at times. And he liberates us. He, he sets us free from certain things. This is Paul's leading somewhere. He's saying, listen, you want to walk in freedom, then man, read what I wrote in Romans chapter 8. And then Romans chapter 12, he, go, he goes to this. He says, um, he opens the chapter by saying, present your bodies. So it means is present your, your whole person, your whole self, your complete person, like your physical part and your immaterial part as a living sacrifice to God. 
So he's not saying be a Christian in mind only. And there's been like that. There's been times in my life where I've had a theological mind, but I haven't had a theological heart. And I've withheld compassion and generosity towards people that are in need. Or there's times that like I've been full compassion, right, in, in my heart, and I've had a theological heart, but my mind hasn't lined up theologically. It hasn't been sound. And that's, that's the weird thing, how the enemy can, can work that sometimes. You can have the heart to do the right thing, but you can have the mind that's thinking completely different. And you, just be, you become what? You become twisted. Um, and this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, just don't present part of your life, but present spirit, soul, and body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which he says, this is, this is worship. And I'm thinking, man, okay, okay, okay. But what's my motive for presenting my body as a living sacrifice? And that's so weird. The word sacrifice is weird, especially in our culture. No one wants to sacrifice anything. But I want you to picture what, what he's saying. And if you read Old Testament, you realize within tabernacle worship, what would, what would the Israelites do? They'd bring in, they'd bring in heifers. They'd bring in, you know, just steers. And they'd bring in little, little lambs. And it would be a bloodbath. That's what worship was like. Because they would sacrifice these animals as a way of saying, let the sin be placed on them so that I can be freed from it. It's the same picture of what Christ did when he came and endured the cross. He's saying, I'm going to take on all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, present and even future. I'm going to lay them on my own body, my own life. And I'm going to be the exchange that you can, it, you wouldn't have, a, there's not enough livestock on the globe to do what King Jesus did in one moment. And so keep that in mind. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Thank God a living sacrifice, because if you're dead, you're not useful to King Jesus. So it's a living sacrifice. But it's the picture of like, oh, okay, this reflects uh, Old Testament. But now God wants me to do it within my mind, my heart, my soul, in my life. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the motivation? And this is what I think if we're not careful, we miss or it's easy to, to look over. It's where Paul says, I invite you, siblings in God's household, Look at this, in view, this is a better translation, not just to consider the mercy of God, but in view of the mercies of God to present your whole person as a living sacrifice. So he's saying, let the backdrop for the words I'm about ready to to read in the next few moments, let the backdrop and the context be in the view in mercy, in the mercies of God. What does that mean? Well, that means as a dad who is um, raising kids with my wife, it's this, it's, hey, kids, in the view, in the context of mom and dad's mercy and compassion for you, what does that look like? Well, we've created shelter for you. The shelter has heat and air and it has more than one room, right? And we give you ample food, so in view of the mercies, the compassions of what we stock in our pantry and the hours that we've logged over the years taking you from one event to another. And you get not just a, a sheet, but yeah, we provide weighted blankets. Any weighted blanket people out there? 
oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what we're talking about. If you've not tried a weighted blanket, you need to buy one on Amazon like tonight. Change your life. Yeah, so in view of that, like in view of the fact that we supplied weighted blankets for you, and we've even bought animals, pets, and we've allowed them to be in our home. In view of that, I would like you to rake the lawn, the leaves. Are you, are you tracking with me? It's not like, hey, go rake the leaves. It is that, but then if, if there is a hesitation, I have to stop and like, wait, hold on, listen. The reason why you would want to rake the leaves and respond with a right heart and attitude is because you get a good picture of how gracious mom and dad have been for you. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, listen, listen. The reason why you can be full green light, full in on being a living sacrifice is not because it depends on your personality or someone else's or depends on your goodness and what you've achieved. But he's saying, listen, the reason why this is the right way to worship is because if you consider long enough the mercies that God has displayed, the compassion that he's shown, the love that he's given, given, the forgiveness that he extends, this is the right response to a sacrifice into an exchange like that. So I invite you, family members, in view of God's mercy, which is his compassion and sympathy, to make available or to offer your whole person as a living sacrifice. Now I want to pause you for a moment and I'll just speed up through the other things because I think if we don't catch this right here, we're not going to catch what, what's after this, what he's saying. I think the weak group in Romans, they actually thought that eh, they kind of deserve the mercies of God. But I also think the strong group in Romans also thought eh, they kind of deserve the mercies of God too. I think the 21st century American Christian, if we're really honest, we... Yeah, kind of deserve it. We don't live as though we don't deserve it. We live as though he owes us something. And we might not say it outright like that, but we see it in our prayerlessness at times. We see it in the context of our prayer. We see it in how we look at our neighbor or we, we don't, rejoice with people who are rejoicing because we're like, well, what, what about my rejoicing? We don't celebrate victory. It's weird. It's if we're not careful, it's like, it's kind of demonic. We rejoice in people's suffering and when they lose because we feel like now we have, we at least have some people that can sit with us. I've lost, you lost. Oh, at least we had that in common. As opposed to as opposed to rejoicing in someone's victory. And even in our victory, when we encounter people who have lost, I mean, do do we take a moment and suspend our rejoicing to go to a person who's experienced great loss and just be with them? Like be present with them in their loss. And the reason why I think Romans 12 is so important because if we're not careful, I think we create our own like version like hybrid of Christianity that when you really take it and line it up with what 
Paul is talking about, man, we're, we're way off the mark. So I invite you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercies, by the compassion and sympathy of God, to make available, furnish, offer your whole person, your complete self as a living sacrifice. And if you're asking what translation I'm in, I'm not in a translation. I've just taken the verses. I was probably in ESV at one point, And then I took my concordance, and I just began just to, to look up what the Greek words are and really lay it out. So as a living offering... So something that's sacrificed to a deity. Holy, dedicated, set apart to the Lord. Something that's pleasing to him. This is what he's saying. This is your spiritual worship. Now I love three songs, four songs, back into another song. I love prayer nights, worship nights. Those are important, but they become a lot richer when you realize that your real worship is what Paul's talking about right here taking your everyday life in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and saying, okay, I'm in the position I'm in. I'm at the work I'm at. I'm at the, on, the, on the campus where I'm at. I'm sitting by the person I'm supposed to be sitting by. And I want to make sure that my life, whatever my vocation is, whatever my excitement is, whatever my energy is, uh, whatever I'm just bent towards, I want to make sure that it has kingdom mission written all over it. I mean, I, I just don't want to just get through my life and end up at 90 looking back and realize that I miss Jesus the whole way. Man, I, I, I want to be this living sacrifice. And the motivation is, ah, oh, because I know me. And I, and I know the compassion and the mercy and the grace that God has demonstrated towards me. And my only response is, God, absolutely, whatever you want of my life. Can, can you imagine if we got a chunk of population that just didn't say that they're Christians on the Sunday, but begin to live like this throughout the course of their, their whole life. Like you actually made decisions based on this right here. Like who you're gonna date, who you're gonna marry, what vocation, even big things like, oh man, I'm really involved in a strong local church right now. I'm planted deep. There's a lot of awesome opportunities I just got to make sure that I'm just not feeding on good opportunities. I got to make sure these are God appointed. So God, I'm just, I'm going to lay it out there. I'm going to lay it out there. You lead me how you want to lead me. If you, if you want me to stay, stay put. I'm staying put. Um, I've had, and I've had plenty. I've had plenty of different opportunities that have been good opportunities. And it's so funny. Before I got here, I got an email. Today's the 14th and I got an email that, uh, uh, this is my 20th today on the 14th is my 20th day uh, on staff here at Capitol Church. And I probably wanted to quit 10 times. Just, it's just in ministry. Ministry is, are you kidding me? It's hard. You know, you thought being a barista at like your coffee shop's hard. It is, that is too, man. Whew, being a customer at your coffee shop's hard. Especially you jump out the window and try and get in my car. Just, and don't ask me what I'm doing today. If I want to tell you, I'll tell you. Leave me alone. So it is hard. I get it. I get it. Um, but you know, dealing with people's brokenness and dealing with your own brokenness, but then also dealing with people's brokenness and all that is, is hard. But I think one thing that's, and there's been many things, but I think one thing that uh, has just been 
energy to me and has been strength to me uh, is that as, as a young guy, I just said, okay, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm just saying yes and amen to that. And I, I won't move and I, I won't do things um, based on how I feel and what I want to do. Not saying I haven't tried, right? So my prayer was, so if, if I start to do that, bring the right people in. Come on, bring your voice of correction and uh, accountability. And if I start bending difference and start going a different direction that is away from the call of God, because I think we read it and we might not get to the whole thing. I'll just have to come back in a while because it says I have 40 seconds left. Uh, um, I know people say do whatever you want, but I actually don't like when preachers do whatever they want. I'm like, yeah, wrap it up. We got to get, we got to get places. Um, but it, it, it says this, that, uh, we're to, if we want to know what is the goodwill and acceptable and perfect will of God. I mean, that's, that's what Paul starts off by saying, but you only can know what the will of God for your life is, is if you ready, if you actually have a healthy mind. If you don't have a healthy mind, you can't discern and know if that's God's voice speaking to you or if it's some other agent of deception, good or bad. And so that's why he's saying, listen, if, if you wanna progress any further, it, it starts right here. It starts first before you can know the will of God. You first have to take that big step and say, God, I present in view of your mercy for me, I present my life to you as a living sacrifice meaning sometimes I'm gonna feel like worshiping you. Other times I might not feel like worshiping you, but I'm gonna allow my feelings to catch up and I'm gonna let my faith be guarded. And I'm gonna let my faith be like an oak tree. I'm gonna let my faith be something that isn't planted in, in, in the word for a moment and then uprooted somewhere else. And this wind of doctrine and this thought and this idea, but I'm gonna let my faith be grounded in your word that brings life and hope and transformation. And in that, watch, you watch, the voice of God becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Things get clearer and clearer and clearer that might be a little confusing or kind of just, you're just kind of in that state of everything's just, just fuzzy. Like I just, I just, it's like being in that horrible dream where everyone's running faster than you. It's blurry and you can barely move. That's the worst dream to be in next to the falling dream. Um, but that's how a lot of people live their life and they expect, they assume that that's like normal. And I'm telling you what, that's, that's not normal. Um, but my challenge even for this week is to spend time saying, God, I present myself as a living sacrifice. And you'll do it once and then Monday something will happen and the enemy try and distract you, this, that, and the other. And that's why I wanna encourage you again. Stop what you're doing. Take a moment and say, God, in my life, in my heart, with my mind, with my soul, with my spirit, with my body, I present my life to you as a living sacrifice. And you can't see this and maybe we'll, I don't know how Mary or Garrison will share it, but when you go on, this is, see the green? We didn't, I'm, whatever, I'm back. I'm on the other page. But all this green is then once you're able to say, I, 
I present myself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Then Paul leads you, okay, and what that looks like. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what's evil. Hold fast to what's good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo, meaning beat people. Beat people like you're in a race to show honor. It's like, don't be slothful. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient. Oh, be patient in tribulation. So there's tribulation. Yeah, there is tribulation. I even drew a little picture of a, a sheep. And it says, wolf, 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 all around it. I thought about Matthew 10 as he sets out his apostles. And he says, there's gonna be persecution. And I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I love the fact that he didn't say, I'm sending you out as wolves among wolves. He's like, I'm, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. How do sheep, how do they defend themselves? They don't, they don't. That's the point. They get eaten. So like, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sheep among wolves. But how do, how do sheep defend themselves? They don't. Who does? The shepherd does. Real quick. James, get up here. Rob, get up here. Parker, get up here. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna leave you with an illustration. Bring it in, bring it in. Yeah, perfect. Bring it in. I'm sure there's bigger guys out there, but you guys just kind of stuck out. Bring it in, bring it in. I'll even get down here. So this is the picture, okay? As a living sacrifice, wholly devoted to the Lord, this is the way we worship. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, guess what? And I'm sending you to a world and you're gonna be sheep among wolves. Now these aren't wolves here. They represent the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? They represent Psalms 23, the good shepherd. And it's what the world can't see. But if you put your faith in Jesus, this is the promise. I love the fact that they are small compared to Jesus. But this gives us a good picture for this week. When you're going through it, you don't go through it by yourself. You don't fight the good fight of faith alone. You don't encounter opposition and the Holy Spirit's like clueless on it. And it's only until you get at night and get down on your knees and pray beside your bedside and you let the Holy Spirit know what happened to you today. No, 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 that's not how it works. It says he's with you always. It says he surrounds you. That's why he's, I love that's why he's okay you being sheep among wolves because he doesn't want you to eat the wolves. He wants you to be something different. And so then how do you fight? Well, Ephesians chapter six, he's not saying you take your grenades and you take, I mean, obviously he's using armor terminology, but he says, you know how you fight the enemy? You walk in peace. Do you know you fight the enemy? You, you keep putting your faith in Jesus. Even when fiery darts of the wicked one come at you, and he says, they will, don't be surprised by it. Paul says we, in this world we live in, the present evil age, means that the world we live in right now is corrupt and wicked. But he's not saying, hey, sheep, I'm gonna put you in the barns, you're gonna hide it in your huddles until I come back and make everything right. He's like, no, you're gonna go out into your culture. You're gonna be on the streets. You're gonna be in your workplace. You're gonna be on the field. You're gonna be on the court. You're gonna be in all these places and you're gonna have the heart of a sheep that you can't defend yourself, but you have to trust that I got you. So that's, that's the picture of it. Amen. Thank you. So my challenge and I'm done and I'll maybe come back and finish, but my challenge is this, the, there is 28, you can read yourself, read chapter 12 of Romans. There's 28 
marks of Christianity. And the first major section until it says, don't, um, don't repay evil for evil. So you see that the, f- the first section, and it's a major section, it's all about how you as Christians treat other Christians in the household of faith. It means you gotta learn to forgive quickly. You gotta love. You gotta beat the person to showing honor. I mean, this is how we as a church get stronger and tighter and we, we advance on the works of the enemy in our world. But then it also says it shows responsibility if you're gonna be a living sacrifice. It's easy to love people that are lovely and will love you back, but it's really difficult to love people who won't return anything. It's difficult to love valueless people. Like, what do you mean the valueless? Well, meaning people that have nothing to give in return. Like, I think if we're not careful, we spend all of our energy being generous, and I'm not saying you, but maybe you, spend all our time being generous to people who we know are generous in return. So it's not, there's no loss of investment. It's like a guarantee. I don't know. I think the more Christian we are, the more we're okay with losing investment. You invest in people who you might ever see again. You invest in people with a, hey, I forgive you and I'm extending forgiveness in my heart, even though you still hate me even though you've done this to me, right? You control what you can control as a follower, as a living sacrifice of Jesus. And so I think this is a beautiful picture of a church here tonight. And I just know God is really, really, really pleased. And uh, spare me the, the feedback saying, nah, he's not pleased with me. You don't know what I've done, stop it. You don't know, I mean, then you don't know what he's done. I mean, we can play that game. And so the fact that you're here is a good sign for me that, um, that Jesus is getting a hold of your heart. He either has your heart or he's getting a hold of your heart. And uh, just keep, man, keep showing up and keep learning to outlove and outserve people and present your whole person to King Jesus. And I guarantee you will not be dissatisfied. So Father, thank you for who you are today. Thank you just for your presence even here tonight. And I know there's, there's big needs that are here. I get it. It's things that, many have gone through and are in right now that seem just overwhelming, but man, that's the sweet part of it all. That's when worship really, really, really is rich. It's, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of worship. It says that you don't reject. You don't despise that. No way. You lean in, you get close. And just thank you for the presence of who you are, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life today. Just put your hand in your heart if you want this. Lord, I know we prayed this early this morning with Pastor Chris, but I'm just praying it again, just kind of echoing the prayers. Just, Lord, that uh, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Not just in our, uh, just on our heart, the very center of the control of who we are, but just in our entire world, in our life, in our home, that the presence of God would be so felt that it would just crowd out every foreign agent that would try and disrupt and torment and afflict just asking God that uh, to this week, tonight even, there just be uh, uh, an exchange. Um, any double-mindedness, any perverse thinking, any corrupt thinking, any uh, just self-loathing and hatred and towards the individual, but also maybe towards others, that you would just remove that in Jesus' name. And Lord, you give us a mind that's centered on King Jesus. And might not happen tonight, but my prayer is that sometime this week as we continue just to keep leaning into you, 
uh, that we'd be able with all confidence say in, in lieu of, in view of your mercies, God, I'm presenting my life to you as a living sacrifice. Do with it what you want. This is the right way. This is how I was born to worship. And so thank you. You're using every story, every gift that's in this room. And man, there's many and they're awesome as a way of um, encouraging people, pointing people to the reality of Jesus and using our lives to continue to just to build your kingdom here on earth. Sheep among wolves, we trust God that you are the good shepherd uh, who knows right where we're at and you're well able to defend our cause and the needs of our life. Lord, we bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. How about we just worship for a moment? I went a little over, but hey, it's pretty good. That's 836. So can you just do this for a moment and I'll give it back to Pastor Garrison. Just stand for a moment. And even maybe in this moment, you don't have to wait till you go home tonight, but maybe in this moment as the worship team just closes with this song that you just make that your prayer. God, tonight, I just, I give you my life just as, as that living sacrifice. Um, if you've done it once, you kidding me? As a young guy, I went to every altar call there was. Um, I, I try and make this a prayer and just a reminder every single day of my life. So join with me in that and watch how God will just do something wonderful within your heart. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.